Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. All right, it's a Monday hiatus edition of PFT Live slash PFTPM. We will be back eventually on Peacock and NBCSN. It's happening. Right now, the Olympics are happening, so I'm confined to this space where I can go over some of the biggest news in the National Football League. And if you haven't been paying attention, camps are opening throughout the NFL. And one of the big developments on Sunday, quarterbacks reporting for the Houston Texans, among them, Deshaun Watson showing up. Now, look, if he knew with certainty that he was not going to be placed on the commissioner exempt list, he would not have reported. He showed up because you never know when the league is going to decide. Well, you know, this latest allegation, this latest interview, this latest incident, this latest claim, this latest whatever is the thing that's going to cause us to say you're on paid leave. Or alternatively, they just haven't gotten around to seeing what it's going to be like or thinking what it's going to be like when Deshaun Watson is in camp. If there's some huge outcry from the media or from the fan bases out there, then maybe you put him on paid leave. They can use it whenever they want, however they want. So you protect yourself against that if you're Deshaun Watson by showing up, because if you get put on paid leave, you get paid and you don't get fined for skipping each day of training camp, which is a $50,000 per day proposition. So that's why he was there, because I don't believe he's been told with certainty you're in the clear. Now, the good news for Deshaun Watson is that he hasn't been told to leave in the 24 hours or so since he's shown up. So if the league was just waiting for Watson to report and they were going to activate paid leave, they haven't done it yet. They still could. In the meantime... The Houston Texans are getting out the word, primarily through the media conglomerate that they partially own. NFL media is owned and operated by the NFL, which is owned and operated by the 32 teams. What better way to announce to the rest of the NFL that the quarterback you had refused to trade is now available than to leak it to the league-owned media outlet. That's exactly what happened. The word is out. The secret, if there was one, is now over, Watson is available. The question becomes, number one, where will he go? Number two, what will they get for him? And I noticed plenty of people in the media seemingly trying their damnedest to suggest that the price for Deshaun Watson should be every bit as high as it was before the first lawsuit was filed in the middle of March. I had one league executive with a team, not the league itself, say to me, we just forget about everything that's happened since the middle of March. These are all factors that go into determining the proper value of a trade for Deshaun Watson. 22 lawsuits still pending. Possibility of paid leave still looming. Criminal investigation still open. I don't know what's going to happen. Nobody knows what's going to happen. Anything can happen, especially when you're dealing with kind of a loose cannon like Tony Busby, who represents the 22 individuals. You just don't assume it's all over. And this is a guy who comes to you with no baggage whatsoever that would otherwise diminish his trade value. 
the idea of three first round picks plus for Deshaun Watson. The only way you're going to get that is if the Texans can successfully spark a land rush for the Deshaun Watson contract, where you get the Broncos, the Dolphins, the Eagles, all outbidding each other, like at an auction, until the price is so high, the Texans just wait and they take the best offer they can get. That's really what this comes down to. Are the Texans going to fold their arms and demand a certain return, or they're going to continue this awkwardness where Watson's in the building and he doesn't want to be in the building, and maybe he won't practice because his hamstring's sore, and maybe they won't push him to practice because this is all part of a facade to make it look like they're going to keep him when they're really not going to keep him. But are they going to do that and wait for a certain trade return? Or are they going to just say, we'll work this through. We'll see what the best offer is that we get and we'll take it. And for the teams involved, there will be a point that is reached. I don't know, by mid August, by the first preseason game where you say, you know, at some point we got to go forward with what we have. Now, when you're the Broncos and it's either Drew Locke or Teddy Bridgewater, I don't know, maybe there's some flexibility there. When you're the Eagles and it's Jalen Hurts and yeah, you'd like to give Jalen Hurts a chance to prove he's the guy, but if you can get a guy who's already proven he's the guy, maybe you're flexible there. And with the Dolphins, who knows? I think the Dolphins is where Deshaun Watson would like to go out of those three teams, but they invested the fifth overall pick into a Tonga Bailoa. Is there a point in August where they say, we're going to worry about finding a different franchise quarterback next year. This year is all about giving Tua a chance to blossom into a guy who would justify his draft position, along with Joe Burrow, first overall from last year, who's been great. And Justin Herbert picked one spot after Tua Tonga-Vailoa, who was the offensive rookie of the year last year. At some point, they're just going to give Tua that second year and deal with it instead of trying to cram Deshaun Watson into the lineup unprepared when you've got two are ready to go. So we'll see how this plays out. But this idea that we just can't forget the idea, the basic fundamental reality that the Texans and, and look, it, stuff happens. Okay. If they had decided to open the bidding in late January, strike a tentative deal, whenever they got the best offer or got what they wanted or were happy with what was on the table and that deal becomes effective the first day of the league year, they could have done the, the trade. Now, it, it would have gotten interesting because we got word of the first lawsuit the night before the start of the new league year. Would that team have backed out? Remember, these deals aren't done until they're done, but the Texans could have at least tried to get this thing done at a higher price earlier this year. They are now, I think stuck with the consequences of the developments that have occurred since the middle of March. And naturally, it's going to keep you from getting what you would have gotten. Whatever you would have gotten pre-mid-March, you're not getting now. And maybe you still get three first-round picks. You would have gotten more then. Whatever you get now is going to be less than what you would have gotten then, unless they can get multiple teams who are just willing to outbid each other because they're willing to take on Deshaun Watson, even with the 22 lawsuits, even with the open criminal investigation, even with the reality when the dust settles on all of this, settle all the cases tomorrow, still have to worry about a Ben Roethlisberger style suspension. Remember, Art Roethlisberger sued in Nevada for rape in 2009. 2010, there was an incident in Milledgeville, Georgia that did not result in prosecution or litigation. There was... A criminal investigation 
involving prosecutors. And ultimately, it went away. I still believe that Ben Roethlisberger entered into a confidential settlement with the victim, the alleged victim in Milledgeville. But even after that, two incidents, he was suspended six games, reduced to four. And we've said this before, and we've written about this. A lot of the reasoning, a lot of the quotes from the letter the commissioner sent to Roethlisberger 11 years ago, that same mindset, those same concerns apply to what we know about the Deshaun Watson situation based upon the admissions attorney Rusty Harden has made. Aaron Rodgers front and center today for the Green Bay Packers because it's annual shareholder meeting day in Green Bay. Now, at the time I record this, I don't know what Mark Murphy is going to say. I don't know what Brian Gutekunst is going to say. I do know that as of Saturday, both were scheduled to speak at the shareholder meeting at Lambeau Field. And look, think about this big picture. Here we are, three months, I think, to the day from when the pin was pulled on the grenade and the grenade blew up quickly throughout the NFL because of the notion that Aaron Rodgers wants out of Green Bay. Remember, the first report wasn't the, the ESPN very strategically timed, hey, I better go with this now or somebody else is going to scoop me notion that Rodgers wants out. It was Paul Allen's report that the 49ers made a last-ditch effort to trade for Rodgers the night before the draft began. That's what got this all started. This is the first chance for Packers fans to vent, to do anything, to react publicly at someone who has at least partial responsibility for all of their worry for the last three months. And I think that's one of the big reasons why, as I've said before, Rodgers hasn't made known what he's going to do. He wants Mark Murphy and to a certain extent, Brian Gutekunst. So I think Murphy is the main target of the ire here. He wants those guys to sweat today. He wants them to hear the boos, the cat calls, the murmuring, the tough questions, because everyone has blame in this, but Rodgers isn't going to be there today. The Patriot or the the Packers, excuse me, front office will be there and they're going to have to listen to it. And it'll be interesting to see what they say and how they're received. As to Rodgers himself, the Friday night news to me was fascinating that multiple sports books had removed Packers related bets from the board because of a rumor that he's going to retire this week. And PointsBet, which is NBC's official sports book partner, told us no uncertain terms. Friday, midday Eastern time, they removed their Packers over under win total wager, which they had reinstituted, reinstituted at nine early in July. They had taken it back off the board on Friday because of this retirement rumor. So it's out there and it's driving the markets. It's causing sports books to remove the opportunity for someone who may know what's going on to come in and bet the under. Hey, I know that Aaron Rodgers is going to retire. I'm going to bet under nine wins or 10 wins, or I'm going to bet against them winning the division or whatever was out there premised on Rodgers playing for the Packers this year. So that's a fascinating development for me as it relates to where news comes from. And now that we see this spread of legalized sports wagering, we are going to see sports books make news by the bets they take off the board, by the bets they put back on the board. And uh, it's, it's, it's a neat wrinkle to the spread of, of sports wagering. But as someone pointed out to me on Saturday, it will be awkward the first time it happens where a sports book removes a bet that causes a lot of turmoil. Just the mere removal of the bet causes turmoil for the team if that sports book also is a sponsor of the team. 
Now, it's not an issue here because Wisconsin does not yet have legalized sports wagering. So there's no sports book partner for the Green Bay Packers. But think about that. If the Packers were sponsored by PointsBet and PointsBet says on the record, we removed the Packers over under win total because of rumors that Aaron Rodgers is retiring. Awkward, to say the least. The last dance photo that was placed on social media on Friday night by Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. A lot of people look at that as evidence that they're going to be together for one more year. It's the last dance. I'm in the, this is another twist of Brian Gutekunst, the general manager to whom Aaron Rodgers is referred as Jerry Krause. I think that's what that is because it was Friday that Devontae Adams contract talks imploded making it his last year in Green Bay unless they use the franchise tag next year. I don't think it's an indication by Aaron Rodgers that I'm going to be back. He's not going to let the Packers know. He's not going to let the Packers fans and shareholders know before today what he's going to do because he doesn't want Murphy and Gutekunst to have an easy time of it at the shareholder meeting. So I'm viewing it more as Adams and Rodgers both have the same view of the GM of the Packers as Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen had of the GM of the Bulls and nothing more. Now, the report from last week, the Adam Schefter, old news, not really news. Bob McGinn had reported back in early May that the Packers had offered to make Aaron Rodgers the highest paid quarterback in football. One of the reasons that that report doesn't tell us anything is it says nothing about structure guarantee. It says nothing about the extent to which the Packers are tied to Rogers. We know Rogers is tied to the Packers for three more years. The Packers can walk away anytime they want with minimal cap hit, especially now and going into 2022 and 2023. He wants a contract that forces them to keep him. At least one of the teams that is, or at least has been interested in, Aaron Rodgers believes he wants 90 million fully guaranteed over two years, guaranteed for skill, injury, and cap over two years. That would, if the Packers give him that, force them together for two years. And what it likely would do based upon the cap hit it would create as you spread that money out and use signing bonuses and move money around, it probably would force the two sides to be together for three years, which makes the Jordan Love draft pick irrelevant. See, I think that to the extent that you've got people close to Rogers saying this is fixable, but it hasn't been fixed. And you've got people like Matt LaFleur, the Packers coach saying, we'll do whatever we can to get Aaron Rodgers in the right spot. And they haven't done it yet. I keep coming back to what he wants is a contract that as a practical matter takes us back to the moment before the Packers drafted Jordan Love and makes that selection irrelevant. Does that mean they have to trade him? No, but if Aaron Rodgers has a contract that prevents the Packers as a practical matter from trading Aaron Rodgers or cutting Aaron Rodgers over the next three years, you get the next best thing. And, and Rodgers would probably prefer to have love in the building as the constant reminder of the fact that they drafted him and Rodgers challenged the front office and Rodgers won. So that's why I think he, it's not about the money. It's not about the money. You can say it's not about the money. It's about a structure and a guarantee that keeps the Packers from saying we're moving on.
Because that's one of the realities of a big money contract. The cap hit, if you move on from the guy so early in the deal, the guaranteed salary, and maybe he'd want no offset language in there too, to force them to pay out every penny if they would cut him, if they would just say, we're done with this after a year, we're going with Jordan Love, Aaron Rodgers regressed, whatever. They still have to keep him. That's, that's what he's been looking for. Right now, I don't know what he's looking for other than a ticket out of town. And that's the last point on Aaron Rodgers for today. The Broncos. We all assume that if the Packers would decide today, tomorrow, the next day, whenever, that they're willing to trade Aaron Rodgers, the Broncos would be at the front of the line and the Broncos may be the only team. It's one of the arguments for waiting until after the season because after the season, there necessarily will be more teams who will have decided that their quarterbacks aren't the guys they really want and here's the opportunity to get Aaron Rodgers. Let's go get it. For now, the Broncos. They'd be negotiating directly with the Packers, but the Packers want a lot. The Packers, as I hear it, they want three ones and a two for Aaron Rodgers. So if you're the Broncos, you have to look at that. Okay, we got a guy who's 37. We're not going to have him for an extended period of time. At most, we're going to have him for the four years that we had Peyton Manning. At most, at most. And for Peyton Manning, they didn't have to give up anything. He was free agent. So you give up three first-round picks and a second-round pick. And you give Aaron Rodgers whatever contract makes him happy then. Now, the contract that makes him happy in Denver may be different from the contract that makes him happy in Green Bay. But, but if they're making it known to teams like the Broncos that it's $45 million a year, $90 million over two, whatever the case may be, along those lines, that's, that's the total investment you have to make to get the player. That's what it comes down to. We've made this point countless times with other players. When you're doing a trade, how much you give up the team to, to the team that has the player affects how much you're willing to pay the player. And they work together. The more you give up in draft pick capital or players, the less you're willing to pay the player. The more that you pay the player, the less you want to give up. And, and there's a total there that comes together. And with Rogers, well, my hands are giant, but with Rogers, they, uh, I guess that's a good thing. Look, I have huge hands with, with Rogers. They're both up here. And, uh, that, that's why the Broncos are looking at this and they're not as sold on this automatic go get him, give whatever it takes for a couple of reasons, because of the commitment and because nobody really knows how good the Broncos are. You know, when the Vikings acquired Brett Favre in 2009, they had a team that just went to the playoffs. They were ready to go. They were a quarterback away. The Broncos are probably more than a quarterback away. Now they've got some great weapons, but do they have the offensive line? Is the defense really where it needs to be? And look at the AFC. Look at the competition. We've talked about this. There are nine teams that are high-end contenders already in the AFC, in my estimation. Bills, Patriots, Ravens, Browns, Steelers, Titans, Colts, Chargers, Chiefs. That's nine. Aaron Rodgers on the Broncos, that's 10 for seven playoff spots. I, you're gonna make that move. Is that really gonna get you to the Super Bowl? Is it gonna get you close to the Super Bowl? This year, next year, the year after, with all that talent in the AFC? I'm not sure. And you better be damn sure if you're gonna give up that much money and three ones and a two, which is gonna make it harder for you to have a better team going forward. See, that, that's part of this game as well. From Aaron Rodgers' perspective, you know, there's a certain amount of ego that goes into the idea that, hey, I was worth three first round picks. 
The flip side is you'd rather be traded for three conditional seventh round picks because you don't want your next team to be gutted by what the team had to give up to get you. So it's not as simple a proposition as we would think. That, and that's my point. I'm not saying the Broncos are going to run in the other direction, go hot under the bed, but it's not the no-brainer that we've just been conditioned to believe it is, that is only hinging on the Green Bay Packers flipping no to yes on the question of whether or not they're willing to trade for uh, Aaron Rodgers or trade him away, excuse me. Quick stuff on the lingering COVID issues. There's a report today from ESPN that the NFL may test the vaccinated players and staff more frequently than every 14 days. To that, I say good. And this is the perfect time for them to say they're going to do it more frequently because now that they've basically convinced, persuaded, and or scared the unvaccinated players into getting vaccinated, getting tested once every two weeks is no longer a, 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 a reason for guys to get vaccinated. But as a more practical matter, I don't think we want a situation where you have a person who tests today and is negative go a full 14 days in light of the extent to which the virus and specifically the Delta variant is spreading. And folks, I don't know how closely you're paying attention to the news. You know, it's summertime and people are on vacation and folks are, are you know, there's no election cycle that's getting people to watch whatever cable news channel they watch. And uh, here's the reality. It's getting bad again. It's getting really bad again. I I'm at the point where I've given serious consideration to going mask on when I go to the grocery store. I've given serious consideration to minimizing the times I leave the house uh, again. And, and I had, it's not like I've been leaving much, but I'm taking it seriously again. And I think we all need to take it seriously. And the NFL's plan to test vaccinated players and staff more often than every 14 days is uh, an indication the NFL is taking it seriously, but it still wants the players to be vaccinated. And the thing that we've been trying to track now, because this is a fascinating wrinkle to the entire question of whether and to what extent unvaccinated players will be able to keep secret the fact that they aren't vaccinated. The devices used by each team to identify at practice and eventually at games, the players who are vaccinated and the players who aren't. The league told me on Friday, hey, this is a team issue. Teams have to decide what to do here. Some teams, when I contact their PR representatives and they know who they are, their response is, well, I don't know. Well, okay, fine. Uh, maybe you should. And I'm going to circle back with the ones who told me I don't know. The ones who know, it's, it's a mixed bag as to whether or not it's actually being enforced. In Tampa Bay, I was told the Buccaneers are using red wristbands for the people who are vaccinated and yellow for those who aren't. Problem is, you look at the photos coming from training camp practice yesterday, Leonard Fournette, who clearly isn't vaccinated and has talked about it. I don't see a wristband on him. Tom Brady, none of the quarterbacks. I didn't see a wristband on them. Doesn't mean they're not vaccinated. Does mean they're not wearing a wristband. I saw red wristbands on guys like Rob Gronkowski and Mike Evans, but no wristband on several guys. So I, I, there, there's a disconnect there between what the Buccaneers are saying and what the players are doing. Now in Pittsburgh, no wristband for the vaccinated players. And the vast majority of the Steelers players are vaccinated. Yellow wristband for the players who aren't. And the most significant that we've noticed who isn't is running back Najee Harris, first round pick out of Alabama. So uh, for every team, 
this potentially is going to be an issue. And I've been scouring Cowboys photos to see if there's any wristbands floating around. It's hard to see because guys have so much equipment. They have different sleeve lengths. Sometimes you can see what's there. Sometimes you just can't see it. Sometimes you can see it's not there. But every team supposedly is going to have a system. And the NFL, I think, for now is focused more on getting guys to get vaccinated and not obsessing over this whole wristband issue. Maybe they will at some point, but for now the focus is do whatever you have to do to get guys to get vaccinated, even if it means getting guys to a position where they lash out on social media. We wrote something over the weekend that the NFL Players Association does not want that to happen. They fear that every time a player lashes out on social media that potentially causes even one, if it's only just one, it's too many of that player's followers to say, screw it, I'm not getting that vaccine. I was thinking about it, I was gonna do it, but now I'm not doing it. That's what could happen. So uh, there is that balance that they're trying to strike. And, And I think this whole wristband thing could cause unvaccinated players to lash out. But in the interim, the league's goal is to just get as many guys as possible vaccinated. So it is not an issue. Justin and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... I got the charcoal mask. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? Uh, Hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. (laughs) No, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. All right, let's see if we got any questions today. Got to find the tweet. Got to find the tweet. I put the office gift so it's easy to find it when I'm scrolling, scrolling, but I tweeted, here it is, tweeted it a while ago. I, I did look through these today preliminarily. So uh, I think I know which ones I want to answer. PFDPM Posse, what will the reaction be when a star quarterback is out two weeks with COVID because they aren't vaccinated and the relaxed standards aren't enforced as they should be? We saw hundreds of violations last year, even if only a few were penalized. I don't think the standards are going to be relaxed this year. We heard from Bruce Arians over the weekend, players who aren't vaccinated and who violate the protocols will be fined the full amount authorized by the league. It's 14,000, I think 650 per violation. I think they're going to be very, very diligent this year about fining the unvaccinated players who break protocol because eventually, what do you do? You say, screw it, give me the vaccine so I don't have to worry about dotting I's and crossing T's and avoiding $14,000 plus fines. Paul asks, was the firing of Vikings assistant Rick Dennison for refusing COVID-19 vaccine legal? 
or just a convenient way to rid themselves of someone that they can move on from now that Gary Kubiak is gone. Well, Gary Kubiak's son has taken over the offense. And I think that Clint Kubiak would very much like to have Rick Dennison there. This is all COVID driven. This is all vaccine driven. And it's still not over. The initial reporting from ESPN was he's out. And I really do believe that the Vikings leaked to ESPN that he's out in order to, to get his attention and to get him to take it seriously and to get him to go forward with getting vaccinated. Since then, they've been talking. Nothing's been finalized. And is it legal? I, I, it reminds me of in, in law school, I had a professor the first year, and he would say that a client would, would lay out a scenario and say, can they do that? And his response would be, did they do that? Well, yeah, well, they've proven to you that they can. The question is, what can we do about it? And if Rick Dennison is fired for cause, I think based upon my understanding of the general coaching contracts in the NFL, it's not the kind of thing that would justify the Vikings not paying him. They wouldn't be allowed to fire him for cause. They can fire him without cause anytime they want. They can tell him, go away, go home. We don't want you here. And as long as they pay his salary, they're fine. I think they'd have a very hard time firing him and refusing to pay him. Now, remember this, every one of these coaches signs an arbitration agreement that makes the commissioner or his designee the person who resolves any dispute that arises. I'd, I'd like to think that even somebody who is bought and paid for by the teams would be objective and fair here and say, you've got to pay Rick Dennison. You can't fire him with cause for not getting vaccinated, even though we want him to get vaccinated, you want him to get vaccinated, and he didn't want to get vaccinated. Tom Marshall, a red zone out. Have the Cardinals seen the best of Chandler Jones, and what would he be worth in a trade? That's a reaction to the news, and we saw this coming. That Chandler Jones has asked for a trade out of Arizona. He wasn't at mandatory minicamp. He's he's not happy with the last year of his contract. He's seen guys like DeAndre Hopkins get a ton of money through the door instead of a guy who's been there and contributed to the greater good. I, I think the, the Cardinals are going to have to ask themselves, do we pay this guy who may be descending? Who do we trade him to? And is there a team that we can trade him to that's going to pay him what he wants? That's the other side of this. And it's back to the balance we were talking about with Aaron Rodgers. What is another team going to want to give by way of a total package to the Cardinals, to Chandler Jones, to make everybody happy? It's not an easy thing to resolve, and we'll see how it plays out. I believe that... This may be it. Although I like this last question from at the real Swolpez. Deshaun Watson and Aaron Rodgers available in trades. If you're the Broncos front office and it requires the similar amount of capital to get both, who are you trading for based on their current situation? Well, draft capital is one thing. Paying the player a lot of money is another. Watson is more attractive from a contract standpoint and he's more attractive from an age standpoint. You're, you're getting him for 10 or 15 years. The complication with Watson, obviously, and we've already spoken about it, the unresolved 22 lawsuits, the still open criminal investigation, the possibility of paid leave, the possibility of unpaid leave. With Rodgers, you're getting a better quarterback. You're getting a better current quarterback who is moving toward the dip, presumably. And I think the Packers are fearing that that dip is coming. Is the dip coming? We, don't, we haven't seen it in Tom Brady. That doesn't mean we're not going to see it in other guys. Tom Brady is the rare exception who's kept it going at a high level past 40. Will Aaron Rodgers keep it going past 40? So I think between the two, I'd be more inclined to go with Watson right now because 
within a year or two, all these other issues with Watson are going to be gone. And maybe that's when the Broncos are in a position to contend and compete. But, but think about that division, the AFC West, if that happens. You got Patrick Mahomes for the next decade. You got Deshaun Watson for the next decade. You got Justin Herbert for the next decade. And you got the Raiders trying to figure out annually, is Derek Carr the guy we're going to keep around? And he's not going to be there for the next decade. That's for sure. Let's call it there. That's plenty of things to digest as we get closer and closer to all teams being at training camp. We're, I, I was going to say we're up and running full speed again at PFT, but we never stopped. It's just easier to find things to write about now. It takes more work in June and up to mid-July. I know, thank you for your service, but you have to actually Google and you have to check team websites and you have to go scouring for news when it's slow. No scouring needs to be done now. And we will have everything you need to know about what's happening in the NFL at profootballtalk.com every day, nonstop. Thanks for some of your time. We'll do this again tomorrow. Justin and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.